Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey friends, welcome to the Tens and Bagels podcast. And uh, we are approaching the final uh, stretches of the season from both the ATP and the WTA. The WTA is coming a bit faster with the WTA finals uh, coming up next week as we record it uh, on a Thursday night. Um, and the last WTA 1000 event just happened. Uh, aside from the WTA finals, there will be only 125s left and the ITF ones. So we yeah, had the big, the big chunk of the WTA is over and uh the winner, Jessica Pegula, finally put her hands on her second career title and uh, her first WTA 1000 event. And she's qualified for um, the WTA finals and other news as well. America, the United States, finally has two players inside of the top five since Venus and Serena. I don't know exactly when, but we are here to talk about all this tonight. Uh, well, <laughs> tonight as we speak. And uh, I'm here with. Bonch, how are you doing, man? Doing good, Andre. Yeah, like you, like you said, it's been a great uh, last week in Guadalajara for the women, and that was the last tour event for them, uh, obviously before the WTA finals. And uh, yeah, these tournaments in Mexico do a really good job, I think, overall, just organizationally, and just uh, the players seem to love it there. And we had a very worthy champion in the end. So yeah, uh, and the field is now secure for the WTA finals. So yeah, we're uh, wrapping this all up. Cool. Uh, so I guess we can start like a little bit with the the last week's event, uh, Guadalajara. Like there were some really tough battles. A lot of players could still qualify. And uh, yeah, are you are you surprised with anyone in the in the WTA finals field from last week? Well, I think um, you know. I, I mean, you obviously know that Shrontek has been the dominant player, and obviously Jabor cemented herself with winning the two. Uh, getting to the two major finals and winning in Madrid and winning a 500 on grass. And, uh, you know, Coco Goff has had a really good year. So she just kept that going uh, last week as well, just getting to another quarterfinal, you know, just keep on, keep uh, making steps. I think she's four in the world now. So, uh, and and then the main, I think the main headline was Pagula and Stockery, uh for me these last, this last week, uh, especially because uh, Pagula, well, Pagula has had a really consistent, solid year. And she's been very good the last couple of years as well. Like just made, you know, a lot of improvements in her game overall. Just so tough to beat. Uh, I feel like you have to play a very high level to beat her. There's not really one thing in particular she does extremely well. I think her game is, uh, you know, well-rounded. And it's it's kind of hard to break her down because she is just super steady. And she hits the ball really flat uh, off her forehand side. But she moves pretty well and she... Um, there's not really many holes in there, so I feel like you have to you have to really beat her in order to win. And it seems like without um, without Fiontek, uh, especially because Fiontek has been a big roadblock for Pagula, you know, this year I think she's lost to her like four times and U.S. Open quarters and uh, Rolling Garros quarters. And so for her, I'm I'm glad for Pagula because I feel like she finally got her moment in the sun and she was able to win a title in a long time. And it feels like for a while she's just been losing to the eventual champions. So in that sense, I'm I'm very happy for her, and then also Maria Sakari um, has had a really tough year since since reaching the Indian Wells final, where I really thought she had uh, gotten a big monkey off her back and winning. A, she had that not so good record in uh, semis, and you know last year she reached the U.S. Open semis and the French Open semis and had match points. So sort of going off of that arc, uh, you know, the next big step is to win a big title, and she definitely conquered some demons here by qualifying. But once in, once again, uh, you know, wasn't the best final from her. So you kind of have to look at it both ways. But uh, yeah, was 
was glad that we got a final between those two because they're they were both far too good to have one 250 title on their resume to be honest mm, yeah yeah pigula has has a, an interesting um an interesting an interesting road this year because i am checking out right now uh if i gone past it well, yeah she i think she was uh, saying like one of those press conferences i think after the us open that she's run into world number ones and she ran into world number ones in three of the four grand slams this year she was beaten by ash barty in australia and then by sviantek and the us open and uh roland garros and i think she'll be really looking forward to maybe having a chance of beating um sviantek in the in the finals it was it was really like one of those cases of she's been stopped by either really red hot players like she she lost to Caroline Garcia in the in Cincinnati um or by mm-hmm. players who just are outstanding like Ash Barty uh, was and uh, as Shviontek is right now um also she lost to Simona Halep in uh, in in Canada yep. in the semis as well Halep also went on to win the title it's it's it was definitely like knocking on the door by losing to the, to the champions most of the time so yeah yeah, I feel like that too. And yeah, there was another one like Garcia in Cincinnati and Garcia went on to win the title. It's like, it just feels like, it just shows her level is right there. And especially her route to this title, I thought was very impressive. She beat four major champions in a row. She beat Rybakina in the first round and she was two match points down and lost the first set 6-2, was down a break in the second. Uh, really had to fight her way off that. And I felt like she really took that match from Rybakina and Rybakina didn't do much wrong on those uh, on those three match points that she had, and she wins that like ten eight in the third set breaker, and then she goes on and beats uh, uh, and rescue in the next round. You know, four and four there, and took care of Stephens, who was having a really good week, two and two, and then Azarenka always seems to play well in that one last hardcore tournament at the end of every year. Yeah, she's been doing that the last three years now. It's kind of kind of strange. I don't know where um, Azarenka is really at in her career, but she was playing very well this week, and then. And then against Sakari, it just it just felt like she was ready, and she just she just took it. And I I I just quite like, I just quite enjoy her as a person as well. Like I find her just pretty witty and funny. Um, she has like one of those great sarcastic type personalities. And Pagula, I think she's, uh, yeah, Pagula. Yeah, and I think yeah. she's she's right. really um embraced her role in tennis because obviously we know she comes from a family of billionaires. They own the Buffalo Bills. So I feel like for her, it would have just been very easy to just, you know, play on the tour for a little while and just, you know, kind of call it a day because she's financially stable and she doesn't really need to be doing this, but she has so much ambition and she wants to get to the very top. And I, and I heard her say that after she lost to Shriantik, she was really, really mad, really mad that Shriantik yeah. won the tournament and really mad that she'd lost because she, because uh, finally it felt like the spotlight was on her for the first time. And it feels mm. like she was just sort of a part of someone else's story this whole year. But yeah. now I, I like that uh, she's finally got her moment. And I, this feels big to me because if she can win a 1,000 with a tough section and tough field like this, uh, you know, if Shriantik were to lose early in one of the, in those three majors in Wimbledon uh, next year, you know, what is to say Pagula can't take advantage? Because so far she's been able to do that and she's been more consistent than, you know, many of the top players. So, um, you know, it feels right to me, the rankings, that she's three in the world and, you know, just behind Ons Jabor. So, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's it's cool because like um, they have like very similar paths in the sense like uh, obviously Jabor has been going um a little bit farther in tournaments. I don't know exactly how many uh, titles did she win this year. Is either just one or two? Um, but yeah, Jabor had the problem of um reaching two finals uh and not winning them, running again like a an. Elena Rybakina was playing too well, like her serve was just firing and obviously like ran into Igor Sviantek and the US Open. So that was tough. But the, it was, those are definitely very, very similar stories. And yeah. Jabber just had had to, she was essentially being second best the entire year. And I don't think that really has changed. And I guess I agree with you. Like I think Jessica Pegula is, is well in as the third best of the year right now. She's as I said, like she's just been being stopped by players who are playing really well, um, not necessarily yeah. just kind of like giving giving away a match. So yeah, 
Yeah, and you're right about them being like similar because they're kind of in the same age range as well, and they both really, you know, had to improve the last couple of years because they mm-hmm. weren't top players before 2021. I remember the start of the pandemic; no one was really talking about them as contenders, or they were outside the top 20. And actually, kind of the same thing with with Sakari as well. Uh, she she obviously she still has to get over the hump, but um, yeah, it's, I think it's just good to see these players like just you know fulfill their potentials and you know, win, win big titles or keep putting themselves in position too. So that, that was nice to see. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. Like for, for Zachary, like if you, she, she really does play a lot of tournaments. Um, she did. It's, it's, it's interesting how she's managed to like get this far um, as <clears throat> the world number five, I guess. Um, but she, she also, she had to fight very hard for her, her ranking um and to qualify for a WT finals i think she had like a really big one against danielle collins uh, yeah that's right both, she was yeah. down a set and won yeah. the next two sets like three and three and yeah yeah collins is another name actually who i feel like uh probably would have made it had she just played a little bit more because uh yeah. you know with her health like she has endometriosis and rheumatoid arthritis so there's just days where She's just not feeling it, which is kind of crazy, which is uh, understandable because, like, she made the Australian Open final, but then she yeah. took these really, really long breaks during the year. Like, I remember after Wimbledon, she played basically nothing until the Open. Yeah, for sure. And and then she just comes out and has, like, a good tournament there, and it's like, like, you really have to... She, she's one of those players who just believes she can beat anybody when she steps on the court. So to beat cons from a set down is a really big win. Yeah. Yeah, it was a huge tournament for her, uh, I think Ons had a bit of an issue of like a kind of things get too much to her head, I feel at times, and that can be her greatest enemy. But mm-hmm. all credit to Rubakina because Ons, um, at some point, she, she was starting to pick up her game and Rubakina just essentially hit another level. Um, oh, yeah, you mean the Wimbledon final? Yeah, yeah the Wimbledon final, yeah. But it's tough for, um, for, for yeah. The, the entire field is essentially at the mercy of Spiontek, essentially, at this point. And That's speaking true. of which, like, not to make... Because you obviously wanted to, to talk more about Pegula, but do you... Actually, like, let me change my question. I want to ask something, but ask something else. Do you think Pegula can carry on this momentum and go on and win the WTA Finals? Um, it's tough for me to say that she's going to win the WTA Finals, especially because if she's an Eagles group, you know, that's yeah. not, you know not been a... Not, not, not a match that I think she's going to win unless Fiontech is not at her best. Like mm-hmm. I watched them play in San Diego, and you know Fiontech, like Pagula was playing really well. She was fielding the ball well. I watched her warm up, and I was like, oh, she's playing really like about as well as she can. And she took that first set six four. But you know, I you know not to do her any kind of injustice or anything, but I felt like that was more about Fiontech, like really tailing off for four games because she was up four two, and then once the rain delay resumed, it was two and two and there wasn't not really much Pagula could do about it um just because i think shriantek just reaches another level that Pagula just can't reach in her game yeah so if the eight players are shriantek jabor Pagula, goff sakari at five garcia at six sabalenka at seven and kazakina at eight i feel like sabalenka sneakily has had a good year yeah um like you know despite all of her yips and double fault issues she still made the semis of new york she made the semis in rome i think final in stuttgart uh, I believe, and uh, I think lost to Garcia and Cincinnati, if I'm not wrong. Uh, that was another semi. So she's like sneakily like had some of these deep runs. And she's one of those players that I feel like at her absolute peak level, she could probably be a really tough match for Svantec. And same with Garcia. So those are like, those would be like the wild card picks for me in terms of like stopping Svantec. Because I really don't see, um, you know, like Kazakina, for example, I've seen Kazakina play Shiontek many times and it's kind yeah. of like she just plays a little bit like Shiontek, but just uh Shiontek is just, just does everything a little bit better than her. Yeah. Uh and then yeah, and then Sakari is uh it's it's tough to see how she's really gonna do, but you would think uh she she would also carry the momentum somewhat and maybe get to another semi. But it's mm. it kind of depends on the groups, I think. I think for me the most interesting is Goff. Like how will she handle being uh, like four in the world and being the 18, 18 years old of age and having been around for three years, like kind of people are 
you know, expecting big things from her. She feels like the big star in a way of this tournament. So if she were to come up against Fiantic again, I think that's even more of a matchup issue than the Pigula one is. Yeah. I think for for me, golf is going to be interesting to see. Obviously, she's no stranger to playing doubles and singles together, but uh, yeah, in the same right. tournament. But, well. Yeah, so but I do wonder how much of an effect is, that's going to make on on her. Like, maybe even if it's mental, just to be able to prepare for for both both matches. And the opposition is like so strong now that, um, like she's even in the doubles, like because. If you look in the a lot of the doubles draws, like the the very beginning of the draws, it's a lot of players who essentially just are in the singles and just kind of team up, um, but don't really have much of a history of doubles, and you end up playing like the really good doubles players up to the the quarterfinals uh, onwards. But this one is going to be, she's going to be playing the best of the best in doubles all the time. It's going to be like all of those that could actually be finals, and that together with the singles. I think it's going to be a new experience for her, even though she's done um, doubles and singles together uh, for the entirety of the year. And I guess the same for 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 Pegula as well, because they're in the same team together. So that's crazy. Yeah, and it's pretty crazy that they're uh, like two and three in the world in doubles and top four in singles. That's quite an achievement. Yeah, they're they're really good. I do think that. Garcia could have a shot at uh, at winning the whole thing. I think she's she's one that like is can't when she gets hot she gets like blazing hot. So it could it could be rough. Uh, and she on a good day I think she could beat Triantek. But yeah, um, she already has actually once this year. But that was yeah. on, on clay and Warsaw. She was, she was. That's true. Uh, and she's um, won on all three surfaces as well. I used to kind of think of her more as like a fast court player when she had her mm. run in twenty seventeen. Uh, you know, end of the year, but I, I like I watched her play this year, and she takes a super aggressive position, like you know, really close to the baseline, like taking the ball, like almost half volleying serves, mm-hmm. and just like puts so much pressure on her opponents. And she's like, talk about a good doubles player, like she really has it all at the net. Yeah, and I feel like she's a little bit more confident playing that way, and it feels a little more repeatable to me than it did five years ago. But there's also just some days where. Um, like if there's too many variables like wind or like uh, like different type of conditions like humidity or some other things and she's a little bit off then it could also go really south really quickly or if she just shows up in a really big match and like has some nerves coming her way like she did at the US Open hmm. against Chibor that yeah. could also happen yeah. as well but I I think I agree with you like she's also one of those wild cards and she's the only one in this seven who's beaten Shantek this year. So that doesn't count for nothing. Yeah. It doesn't mean a whole, whole lot, but it does mean quite a bit in the context, I guess. So yeah, I, I can see um, as much as I think Pegula kind of had a big, a big breakthrough um, last week and winning the tournament. I think obviously like the Rybakina match was probably the, the most key one of all of them uh, and the Sakari yeah. one <clears throat> was basically the cherry on top of the cake but mm-hmm. um, I would say I can see coming off those groups Shviantek uh, and Garcia and I don't really know exactly who else comes through on the other on the other side I think I would I would be, I would be inclined to say Jabor and the other on the on the other group um Jabor and Sabalenka or Sakari, but most likely Sabalenka. Yeah, it would be cool if we saw like, you know, some continuation of the US Open with like three of the four being Fiontek, Jabor, and Sabalenka. And I guess Garcia would be the fourth as well. So those are your US Open semifinalists. That's kind of cool. But uh yeah, I, yeah. I feel like if like Sabalenka is like because I, I actually I'm thinking now, Sabalenka was very close at the US Open. Mm-hmm. Like she was four two up in the third set, and then Fiontek won, went into this wall mode and That's won true. like 16 of the last 20 points. But if she hadn't found that level, you know, what is to yeah. say, like, Sabalenka doesn't win the whole US Open or yeah. at least get to a final and then, you know, maybe Jabor wins. But it's... It, it's like... And I think last year she beat uh, Fiontek at the WTA finals. Obviously different Fiontek yeah. then. 
but she's done it before. So it does seem like it would be her and Garcia. I think I agree with you there. Yeah. And Although, actually, Maria Sakari used to have used to match up really well against Fiontek last year as well. Mm. And it was like a two-two head-to-head, and she'd beaten Fiontek in Ostrava uh, on an indoor hard court. And actually, now that I realize this is indoors, the only final that Fiontek has lost this year was Krajikova, and that was indoors as well. So maybe um, you know, I think that'll help players like Garcia and Sabalenka, where <laughs> there's less variables, and like especially Sabalenka with her service yips. I feel like it being indoors could be really good for her. Yeah, it could. It could prevent from um, having having a wrong toss. I think it would be really good for her to be indoors. Yeah, we see that with players who struggle with their serves. Their best surfaces tend to be, you know, like altitude or indoors. Yeah. It was altitude last year for Sabalenka. That's one of the reasons I think she made so many errors as well. And it's yeah. crazy. It's just going a bit of an, on a tangent here, it's kind of crazy to think how Shriantek went last year to the to the finals, to the WT finals, but she was she was I kind of want to say that she was nowhere near a contender to win yeah. the, the thing, but she she was just kind of there and uh, we know that she's, she's a good player, but then the transformation that she's went through this year um, was pretty crazy. <laughs> right. Yeah. And just like right when Barty, you know, retired yeah. from the game, we were wondering who who was it that was going to step up, and was it going to be Sakari? Was it going to be Fiontek? And like, one, and they had that really kind of nervy Indian Wells final. I remember like the first few games, it was like yeah. four all. And then once Fiontek won that, I I kind of wonder what would have happened if like Sakari somehow won that match. And then, you know, we could have had like a passing of the like many more many number ones, and then maybe then Fiontek would have settled by the clay season. But it was just. It was just so amazing that she took that and then just like aside from like uh, you know a Wimbledon loss and like a loss at a two fifty in her hometown and yeah. a couple of those tournaments before the U.S. Open, it's been Iga like all the way, and she's played like seventy two matches. So it wouldn't be entirely surprising if let's say she struggled a little bit more in this tournament indoors and maybe you know mm. didn't find her best game because she's just played so much this year. Could be. Like more matches than anyone because she's won the most. Yeah. So you know, I, I I don't think it's like a runaway title for Eva. I think there's definitely could be like you know she could lose a round robin match and mm. someone could get really hot. Yeah. Or, yeah. Someone who I thought matched up really well well against her was Krajikova, but you know she's had so many injuries this year. So yeah, she's she didn't have she didn't have a chance to qualify. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that um I, I know you mentioned that how um Begula doesn't do anything like particularly excellent, like you say, for example, uh, like a a Fiontek um running backhand or just the forehand as well, mm-hmm. or like uh Sabalenka power in general. But do you think that because essentially everything began from Fiontek with her first 1000 title this year which i think was in doha or dubai one which one, yep. one of the two doha. doha yeah and do you think for pegula we could we should be more um like wary of her like do you think her level could be a lot higher than we expect yeah i think she's definitely like sort of exceeded expectations um by many in the tennis world because she's just kept getting kept plugging away like week after week and you know gets really close and I feel like when they when players do beat her really badly when she does get to those latter stages by players I mean mostly Shvantec and Barty but when they get there I feel like they have to play really really well and be on it because when if they like for example if they have some dips in focus or concentration and they just play a really bad game you don't want to do that against Pagula because Pagula will be like right there to take advantage she doesn't make many easy errors I find she's very She's kind of like in between like an attacking player and a counterpuncher in a way. Yeah. Because like she hits a really flat ball, but she also like is competent in all uh, in all areas in the court. Like if you give her a short ball, she will like attack and come forward and she has good finishes at the net. Like she's able to find good angles and cut off volleys and 
I think her serve is deceptively good as well. I was watching in San Diego. She was able to hit spots. It's not the fastest serve and definitely, uh, you know, her second serve can be attacked, but who, whose second serve isn't attackable in the WTA? Like it's, you know, it's, it's very tough to have that be like a weakness per se, like in someone's game. Yeah. Because like that is kind of the go-to to attack someone's second serve and you kind of have to take advantage right from there. But and then you know her backhand is very solid, very dependable, and she's 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 able to adapt to many different conditions. Like in in altitude, I found it strange that she said after she'd won that uh, that you know I wasn't expecting this because I don't play so well in altitude. But she made the final of Madrid, so I, I guess if there's anyone who can do it, it would have been it would have been her in a way. But yeah, I feel like she's gonna be like a tough out for for most players because there's just not many ways to hurt her. Like you really have to play a superb match like from start to finish. I remember when like Howard played her, for example, in Canada, yeah. and, like, she was not playing well at all in the first set and it just wasn't even close. It was like six, two and she was down a break in the second. And so she really makes you earn it in a way. Yeah, it's true. Uh, I like the consistency of Pigula. She's um, one of those players that will essentially give like a good match, um, regardless of the opponent. Like she, I like the how you describe it. Like she, she's there to always take advantage. She some some somehow seems to be consistent enough to kind of keep her level pretty consistent throughout the match. Like it doesn't really drop too low. Uh, doesn't yeah, raise like... it too high, but like her base level tends to be pretty solid as well. Um, yeah. She's anything some, somewhere between a Halep and whoever, like a Sabalenka or something, but with yeah. better volleys. Right. Yeah. I was thinking something like that too, like between a Svimilina or like a mm-hmm. Sabalenka, where it's like, yeah, like between Svimilina Martins and Sabalenka, somewhere between. It's like, it's like a really good winning formula, to be honest. Like you just yeah. do everything really well and just mm-hmm. stay super solid. And she doesn't give much away emotionally as well. Like, yeah, players go through all these ups and downs, and she's sort of just very even keeled throughout the whole match. Yeah, and it's a cool, bit of like emotion yeah. here and there. I've only seen emotion from her when she's playing Shviontek because it's just so frustrating because Shviontek gets so many balls back, and then when she's offensive. She has the heaviest yeah. forehand of the game. And like the sliding backhand you mentioned and the court coverage. Just... Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Like you mentioned how she was frustrated with Biontech because she was getting everything back. I remember that she was very frustrated with the Halep because she was getting everything back as well. Right. Um, yeah. the, the, the classic I think it was a yeah, gift. Yeah, she called her. She called her a pusher. A pusher, yeah. is, you know, which like in the heat of the moment was just yeah, like <laughs> like funny. You can relate yeah. to that, especially as a, a player who's played myself. Played players like that so it can be really frustrating. That's that's kind of interesting though. Like it kind of is a little bit of a giveaway on like what actually makes her really angry. Is that yeah. like playing someone who plays defensively well and like as as consistent as consistent as she does because then she doesn't have like the uh the luxury of like having points um she doesn't frustrate players 
with her consistency like she finds kind of like her her equal in that sense so yeah like that's probably like one of the reasons why like i guess she can match up well like against uh like i don't know sabalenka or jabor or uh, even sakari i guess because yeah i think uh and and not so much against uh against Biontech or um as we said um how when she's playing well yeah it's been uh it's been like kind of uh, like i remember three years ago she played serena and i don't feel like she's improved like per se that much in her game like in the last three years before. but it's just like it's just when you win so many matches you just get so confident like every single week she's winning like three or four matches mm-hmm. it's like even if you're not lifting those trophies it's like you just know like when you're when your time comes like you will you'll you'll be there and you'll you'll take it because you just have all this experience and in a way you you could say the same about Sakari but I just don't feel like that about her because she kind of puts so much pressure on herself and you can see it sort of you know in her demeanor and she's just very imposing and aggressive and you just feel like she gets in her own head but with Pagula I think she just she's very clear about her game plan she knows exactly you know the kind of player she is and you know what you're going to get from her so that, it, it's nice to have a couple of players that you just, you know, are just like bankable. You know exactly what they're going to do, what you're going to get. Because then there's a little bit of that predictability, which is which is good, mixed in with all the chaos, right? Yeah. You know, kind of like a... Like, like I, I'm trying to think of an ATP comparison, but I really, I just, I can't really think of one. Maybe like a Kavanori or a Berrettini, but it's Yeah, just, for, for Pegula? Or... Yeah, like in terms I, of like just... I keep thinking Roberto, Bautista Good, uh, RBA. Like it's, yeah, yeah, players like that, right? Yeah. Or, you know, not necessarily the flashiest, but... Yeah, know, yeah, yeah. The ultimate professionals. Yeah, I guess if, if you want to compare like somebody who actually got as far as she did, like in the rankings and had like some sort of like a similar career path and... Is a, a David Ferrer like is a yeah. player that comes to mind, yeah. But I think yeah, I think she could have like a pretty David Ferrer like career, but like she yeah without think, without yeah. that many titles, but like it's yeah yeah, but like many deep runs and yeah. But yeah. I think the the big thing that could be interesting for Pegula is that there's not a lot of big serving in the WTA, whereas like um there was Ferrer's biggest problem was that. His height was a problem, was yeah. an issue, um, and that's not necessarily the thing for for Pigul. Even though she's kind of on the short side, um, yeah, um, yeah, it's 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 not the worst thing, right? So I think she, yeah, I think it, she could surprise us. I think especially twenty twenty three could be very interesting. Just yeah, for, definitely. For her. And she's you know definitely closer to thirty than she is to twenty five. She'll be twenty nine in February next yeah, year. So it's, that's true. You know, it's we've seen players like this, like kind of have a resurgent, like last phase in their late twenties, and they've been able to go on a nice run for two or three years. And uh, I think it's uh, it's good, like you know, she could be like kind of weary and tired at this point in the year, but I think because it's like a team event, something a little bit different, kind of at home. Plus, she's playing like in Fort, she's playing the Legion King Cup with uh, Coco Golf, who she's like really good friends with. I think she'll be like just rearing to go and just keep it going. Yeah, me too. Yeah, think so too. Oh, and I also just realized that um, we we don't we don't yet know the groups for WTA finals. They're yeah, gonna be we drawn. don't. So that's that's yeah. going to be very interesting. Like, imagine if you know Hans, like I mean, if Shante gets Pegula and Goff and Kazakina, that'll be like the three players that she's the most comfortable with this year amongst this yeah. group. So I think amongst her peers, Shante is nineteen and one. Uh, this year, which is like you know ninety five percent, just crazy good. It's it's insane, like, yes. Yeah, like, and the one being Caroline Garcia. <laughs> yeah, at a two fifty, like on clay after yeah, Wimbledon at home, so, which was like a lot of pressure too. Right. Sure. So yeah, I mean, and obviously, uh, uh, you know, Sakri, I think deserves credit for her clutchness uh, this week, getting to the finals because she saved thirty nine out of forty seven break points, and. Especially we know like she's not a great player. She's not known to be a really clutch player under pressure in certain situations the past couple of years where she's, you know, blown some leads and match points or particularly in like some of the big matches kind of doubts herself. But when it really mattered in the match against Kurumitova, I thought she really stepped up and 
came up with really big forehands, uh, like just going after the ball and just kind of backing herself in those spots. Because I feel I feel like weaponry wise, she hits a heavier ball than Pagula does, and her ball is, you know, and she always brings that in fire and intensity, but it just kind of gets in her own head. Uh, like emotionally, she spends a lot of energy and she goes through so many ups and downs and roller coasters. I think before she was playing the final this week, she played against Buskova, mm-hmm. who was another player who had like a really good run, got to the semis. Um, like I think she was a quarter finalist at Wimbledon as well, and like she she's one of those players that you you have to play well to beat. And Sakari just like there was a moment where she was like four one up, and then it was four all like love forty like within a matter of seconds, she was basically or like minutes she was like on the verge of having to play a third set, potentially having to play another final after that. And it's like, she somehow got herself out of that mess and won at six, four, and then kind of didn't really have much left in the tank for the final. Like emotionally, I think like physically, she's obviously a beast. Like she's yeah. one of the fittest and strongest players on, on the tour, but yeah, it's just something about those, those big matches that I think uh, accumulates some, a lot of that baggage for her, but I I, th- I still think she's a she's a good enough player that at some point she will crack the code. Yeah, it's 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 been a while that we've been saying that. So that always yeah. it's it's a lot of people are starting to think that she will definitely stay like a like a good top ten maybe. And but I, cracking the code seems almost far fetched at this point. Like it's there's something yeah, that she hasn't. I, figured by that out. I mean kind yeah. of just win any any title. For oh, me, yeah, yeah. like I sort guess, of cracking yeah. the code because, like, even at two fifty, like, yeah. kind of what happened to Felix, like, it just you lift, get this huge lift off your back. Yeah, and it's like, I remember she played like a final on clay after the U.S. Open and lost to Maya Sharif. She did, yeah. It was, and it no, was like ranked number seventy four in the world, right? And it was like she was, she had, and it was a match where she was up like five three in the first set and like three one in the second, and just got really, really nervous. Yeah, it's it's. And, it's definitely I, something mental. I wonder it's if there's something mental. technically that like doesn't hold up as well under pressure, but I'm not super qualified to mm. like be the judge of that. Because like I've seen when she hits on the rise and when she hits her forehand and, and her backhand corner, especially inside out and inside in, it's like those kind of define her baseline tennis on that particular day because Yeah. Like when those two thing when those two shots and patterns are working. Yeah, and she also has the backhand on the line and improved her serve. It's like, like technically she has the tools. Yeah, but it's just like syncing that together with the moment and meeting the occasion and like not going overdrive on every single point. Yeah, that too. And I think that there is a bit of an issue, like you said, like just taking the ball on the rise. And I think that must be like a bit of a a problem as well. Like if she's just kind of rushing herself a bit too much instead of like trying to like get her time to think uh yeah. or like just taking a step back and especially assi- playing in altitude and wind yeah and like just trying to like keep the ball in for a bit longer instead of like taking it so early like give it a little bit more time and building up the points a bit more uh i don't know i'm also like i'm even less qualified than you are to like say if there's anything like that um for for yeah, for that I mean, situation, but yeah, like it's. I would say it's mostly yeah. mental. Yeah, it it definitely looks like she's she just kind of gets lost and just kind of her minds get too foggy and she doesn't doesn't really figure it out like by herself because oftentimes the, the answer is not that difficult like as in you can keep doing what you're doing like or you don't make the errors or like if you if you're playing like against a player who's doing like a really well like I don't know like the backhands down the line you kind of avoid that shot like there are answers that you can find that like are going to like solve a bunch of your problems might not solve all of them but it, it might make things easier but yeah it might be the thing that she she gets too too nervous maybe she thinks about the next yeah, shot way too sort much of thinking, yeah yeah thinking ahead a little bit too far or exactly. kind of dwelling on a couple of mistakes on the past it's yeah. it's really really tough too yeah it's like living in the moment stuff yeah mind from racing especially when you know that you've been here many many times and like not gotten over the line it's just it seems kind of difficult to not have your mind wander to that like the last time you played her 
you yeah. want to match points and you know or the last time you were in a semi this happened like it's just especially if you know especially because we are aware of it the opponent is aware of it and she knows that they know they're aware of it so it's like yeah yeah i guess if you get your mind into the this this many loops you're really bound to um get caught up like overthinking and uh it, it might be kind of like for her yeah. because she plays so aggressively and takes the ball so early it's kind of like she has to hit through that she has to hit through all of those fences in a way yeah it's like yeah it, it's it she could definitely benefit from like a full-time sports psychologist like just in her corner it's like a definitely uh, one of those things that i feel like another legacy of shantek is uh is the mental aspect where she's able to just stay in that zone you know yeah where she's just so locked in and just so focused on the present yeah and even if you like get to a point where like you get like a bit of a a patch in which like you, you lose serve or like you pay a couple bad points um to be able to like just reset and just play the next couple points better um yeah i think it's really like a it's it's really important right so like if you understanding like when to like stop the bleeding and get back to get back to work it's yeah it's really massive to like mount comebacks and things like that definitely yeah and speaking of bleedings i mean what a what a bleed of a story you know with uh yeah. simona Halep obviously testing positive oh for yeah what's the stat or the you know I, I think i got that right right what's the stat yeah something like that it was a top name to pronounce to be fair yeah and it's one of those that's like not fda pro- approved in the u.s but oh, clearly yeah. there's just um like you know when you get tested at the u.s open you kind of have to give like two samples of the of the of the test and you know it's just it, news came out like this was the biggest i, I think the doping incident since the sharapova one yeah, because Sharapova was also um, not FDA approved. Yeah, and and you know, of course, the people close to Simona, and she's very, very popular, and she's, you know, been a big player for the last ten years. Obviously, won two majors, and she put out this really like heartfelt message on social media, and you know, she said that this was the biggest battle that she's going to fight, and obviously, Darren Cahill, he put out this you know, really heartfelt, emotional like, two-page thing on Instagram, you know, saying that there would, there's no way possible that, you know, she knowingly did this. Yeah. I, You know, I honestly, I don't have too much to add on this whole thing because, like, you know, I guess due process will just take place and we'll, we'll just go through the system and we'll, we'll find out. But, you know, she's definitely not been a player known to cheat in any way or do anything like that. So yeah. her reputation has been been very good. What I found strange about the whole thing was obviously the whole uh, Patrick Mortoglu stuff because Patrick Mortoglu announced that he's no longer working with Halep. And I think that was on October 12th. And October 7th is when her test came back positive. Hmm. So, and then now he's working with Holger Rune. So it's just like, you know, it was an interesting timing. And we kind of, and, and I think the most interesting part was in her statement, she said she felt betrayed. And I don't know if that means. Like who is she referring to when she says betrayed? Yeah, I think. So, well, yeah, that's what, well, what some people are saying about that what, that I thought it was interesting is that um, she obviously doesn't have the time to like be meal prepping and everything like that, right? So there, there's a level of uh, trust that she has to give on some people to like provide her meals and whatever, uh, mm-hmm. or whatever medication that she might be taking. Yeah, like just to make sure that yeah. it's you know it's not on the band list yeah so it, it might might be it might be someone else and part of the team then right. and however however they acquired that medication or for what i don't i don't know and i guess they never really are going to really disclose that those parts of uh like how yeah. something happened but yeah just kind of hoping that she doesn't get like a, a horrible like two-year ban or something like that because that would be yeah. pretty sad for her you're yeah, you know, I hope for her sake, because especially yeah. because she is on the older side. Yeah, in her career. she's like 30, 31. You know, like a two-year-old, like a, like 31, but it just, you know, with the way she plays and obviously with the injuries that she's had recently, yeah. it feels like a two-year ban would be like enough to, 
take her out of the game for a long time and maybe even retire. So it's like, you know, like for someone, who, and obviously I, I, a little bit about this drug, it's kind of used to treat anemia. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it can help with like faster recovery and, you know, just give you that extra edge. But, I, you know, I think some of it will also depend on how much was taken or like how much was in her system. Because if it was just like a very small amount, maybe the ban could get reduced yeah. from two years and could be appealed. But yeah, it's it's interesting. I think you bring up a good point about like when you're, when also when you hire a coach, you kind of like for, for her case, like there's a level of trust. You mentioned that. Uh, yeah. Like Murtagu, like when you when you have Patrick Murtagu as his coach, it's not just him. Like it's the whole academy, pretty much, and a lot of other coaches and trainers and people that like Patrick yeah, works with. Probably, so yeah. just, you know, there's a whole trust system like going on, and she like she pretty much got rid of her entire team before that. So yeah. she was looking for kind of a missing that missing spark in her game. And she's done well on the court. Like she won Canada and she's won another title and semifinals of Wimbledon. So, and she's still like a top 10 player. So yeah, mm-hmm. I, I just hope for the best. Cause uh, yeah, I've enjoyed watching her like a lot the last eight years. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I, I would hope she's she pretty good for the sport. To, yeah. So I don't know. I don't know how much um, of a, of a, but well, cause she got like a six month um, suspension, but just like, it's it's not yeah, definitive, it's, but I don't know how how long can yeah. a suspension go for. Yeah, so. just like the waiting period itself would probably mean like Australian Open is like pretty tough too. Yeah, I think the Australian Open is basically out of the I question mean, at this point. Yeah. But yeah. So it's, so yeah, it's I guess we'll just wait and see more on it, and we'll yeah. just uh, you know I think due process just needs to be taken place yeah and it'll be the um, case of like it is what it is like I, I don't think this those decisions can be and even if she gets to appeal the decision it it will still take time so i, I don't think we'll be yeah. seeing uh anything from halep for a while unfortunately so yeah yeah definitely and just like a really tough year for her in general because yeah. she had the like a nose surgery as well and before that she, she was coming back from those from that ankle injury last year where she missed yeah. her friend from Wimbledon and then she also got divorced this year so like yeah big big year unfortunately yeah and then like that surprising first round loss I know she doesn't generally do well at the US Open but I did not expect yeah especially after win. winning Canada you after winning that, Canada yeah. I thought you know she would go pretty far but yeah yeah so a lot of ups and a lot of ups and downs and we'll just wait and see what happens but yeah exactly and then to try and finish this on a little bit of a higher note, and we are known here, Tennis and Bagels, for like making predictions way ahead of time. So uh, let's go with that one more time. Do you who do you think is going to win um, the the finals? Even though we have no groups yet, nothing. How do you how do you think it's gonna turn out? Um. Well, I mean. Without the groups, yeah, like you said, without the groups, it's kind of hard. But I would say, uh, I, I just can't not go with Triantec because mm-hmm. she's proven me, she's proven us. You know, we've been like proven wrong, even in even at the U.S. Open, for example, when True. you know, like the balls were probably not up to the ones that she's been practicing with in Europe, and there was this whole conversation. But even indoors. I feel like she's going to be pretty hard to beat. And with the stranglehold that she has on the women's game right now, I just can't not bet against. Yeah. Just can't bet against her in any way. So I would go with Triantek. But what if, like, Triantek doesn't win? Then then who would you say is your pick? Uh, well, I was going to say, I was going to go for Carolyn Garcia from the get go, even though I, I know that Garcia has a better track record outdoors. But, um, and I think that kind of favors her, like conditions like that. But I, I think I'm gonna go with her. I feel like I'm pretty confident that she she can make a a big a big impact. She's definitely like more of a like the underdog, but um, could even say like a dark horse. Actually, the biggest dark horse is definitely Kazakina. But um, I think I think I would say Garcia. I would go for Garcia before the draws are, are made. And obviously, the, the way things are done. Any two players can be at the final at the same time. So um, I think 
it, it could still be like a good Garcia uh, win. Yeah, I, I'm gonna go with uh, Sabalenka. I feel like her, uh, she's kind of due for a big title. Nice. Like her last one was in Madrid, I think in 2021. Yeah, yeah. Was and, it? Mad- uh, yeah, it was Madrid. She beat. Uh, she lost she to Bart. Yeah, she lost to Bart in Stuttgart and beat her back in Madrid. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was that time when we had a little bit of a party Sample Link and Rivalry. Like that match, it was a match, good one. <laughs> Madrid, and it was delivering. They had some good matches. So they I did. would, yeah, I would say being indoors, like uh, Sample Link not having to, like not having much pressure, essentially, not many people, uh, you know, thought she would qualify after the start that she had. And also, like, just being indoors and her serve. Uh, the fact that she can just sort of shrug off all those double faults. I I, I think uh, she looks in a better headspace right now. Hmm. And she also hasn't played as much since the US Open, so maybe she'll be well rested. I'll, I'll go with her. Uh, if Iga doesn't win, I'll say Sepulanka do it. Okay, yeah. I'll say if if Garcia doesn't win, I will say Shriantek. <laughs> that will be my my for now. Just to be a little bit more bold as well. Like There's always one, one person like yeah, that. Definitely. So, yeah, I guess that concludes it. We'll be back to discuss uh, more of the WTA finals, like when we get the draws and then we're going to get Owen to join us and that one. And yeah, for now, thanks for listening. And uh, you can follow Varnish at Varnish2K, uh, Owen uh, at Tennis Nation, my, I myself, you can follow at Rollenberg Andre, and Tennis and Bagels, of course, at Tennis and Bagels. Um, pay attention to the horrible fake account that keeps doing hate speech if you see anything that is absolutely terrifying or horrible you can be sure that it is not us we never tweet um anything that is remotely offensive to anybody because we basically just talk about tennis and how well they're playing and we don't if we ever do something that sounds offensive and you complain to us if it is us we will be saying sorry (laughs) we will not be aggressive this aggressively discussing so yeah if you spot that account you can report it it's not us thank you for listening and we'll see you next time bye